But Happy New Year, everyone. Here we are, 2023. So it's kind of weird we, uh, how much television has invaded our lives, right? New Year's celebration, what do we do? Who watched the ball drop on television last night? Anybody? Yeah? You were asleep, a couple of you? Do you know how far that dates back to? I used to think Dick Clark and all that in my area and whatnot. 1907, the ball drop. Originally, it was made out of uh, iron and wood. Uh, but today, it's made out of Waterford, Waterford crystals and weighs 1,700 pounds, and it's six feet in diameter. Anybody sing Old Land Zine? <laughs> it's the most popular song that, in the country that nobody knows the words to. <laughs> So I put it up there for you, all right? I used to think it meant, uh, should old acquaintance be forgot? It's kind of like a forget the, forget the old year and move on to the new year. No, it doesn't actually mean that. Um, old land's eye literally means uh, time's gone by. So the author of the song asks whether old friends and times should be forgotten and promises to remember people of the past with kindness. And to take a cup of kindness is to raise your glass and give a toast to friends gone by to remember not to forget them. Um, originally uh, uh, written by Borgna Brenner. Anybody know him? No? But made popular in 1929 by the band leader Guy Lombardo. Guy Lombardo. I got it wrong. I thought it was a forget the year type of song, move on to the new year. Um, in Japan, they have forget the year parties to bid farewell to old problems. Grudges are forgiven and houses are scrubbed. Scrub the dirt from the old so you have a new, clean, fresh start to the new year. Buddhists strike their gongs 108 times in an effort to expel 108 times of types of weaknesses. Spanish rituals, any Spaniards here? You eat uh, 12 grapes at midnight to secure 12 months of happiness. In the United States, it's kind of a mixed bag of things. We already discussed uh, the baw drop. Has anybody ever been to Times Square? Yeah? Not at New Year's. Has anybody been there during New Year's? That sounds just crazy nuts nowadays. Um, I did bring uh, pork and beans today to share with everyone. It's a version of Hoppin' John's. It's a southern dish, uh, black-eyed peas and ham hocks. Uh, black-eyed peas aren't really peas. They're actually beans, so I just made pork and beans. The, the theory there is if you eat beans on New Year's, you'll have prosperity the rest of the year. So I brought pork and beans to uh, share with you guys after church, okay? Um, it has some history of uh, kind of the, the southern slaves. Um, it's considered a very, just a poor person's food. So maybe the idea is, you know, humbly eat, humbly celebrate on New Year's day and you can think maybe it's good luck for the next 12 years but you could also think 
you can't go anywhere but up, you know, if you just eat humbly on New Year's Day. Um, how about the, uh, the Rose Bowl parade is probably today, right? The Rose Bowl is always New Year's Day, and it's preceded by the Tournament of Roses, right? All those crazy floats and things like that. Did you realize that the Rose Bowl parade preceded the ball drop origin by 23 years. It started in 1886, the Rose Bowl Parade. So fun facts, fireworks, noisemakers uh, were said to dispel evil spirits and bring good luck. But this brings me to today's topic, New Year's resolutions and personal vision. I kind of had fun with this topic today. Um, in 2011, the Barna Group uh, found out that up to 41% of Americans made personal pledges for a New Year's resolution. Um, how many of you made any uh, New Year's resolutions this year? A couple? Okay, all right. Anything you want to share with us? <laughs> I have to get more sleep, all right. Great. Live a little healthier, excellent. Excellent. Uh, yet, only 23%, about one in four people who make resolutions, find any significant change. Only about a quarter, 25%. And only about 8% actually achieve their goals. <laughs> 8%, less than 10%. Why is that? Some hypothesize a lack of accountability. Uh, this one study from Scranton University discusses four factors that contribute to the success or failure of our resolutions. The complexity of the goal, the intangibility of the goal, tangible, intangible, accountability and lack or uh, amount of belief in accomplishing it. So let's go through these one at a time. The complexity of the goal. Um, Resolutions that are too complicated, too high, are actually not goals, but they're dreams, okay? They're dreams when they're too lofty, too complicated. They're just dreams, and they're not actually goals. So the key to uh, gaining traction and finding some success is to make it simple, make it more realistic, attainable. Secondly is intangibility, tangible versus intangible. A vague goal sounds nice and uh, sounds nice to people. Um, be more healthy in 2023. <laughs> or uh, read my Bible more. Or, uh, you know, uh, something general like that. Um, sounds nice, but if it's not bounded by what's called here, you've heard this before, goals aren't really goals unless they're objective and measurable. All right, remember that? Goals are not really goals unless they're objective and measurable. So for instance, if your goal in 2023 is to lose some weight in 2023, <laughs> okay? It sounds nice, right? I don't know many people that don't uh, have uh, similar goals like that, sounds nice, but uh, to lose some weight or even to start going to the gym. I'm going to start working out in 2023. 
again, not as objective and measurable, versus how about something like this? Instead of losing some weight, how about no chips, fast food, or ice cream for the next month and a half? <laughs> okay, that puts a little more uh, objectivity to it, doesn't it? Or instead of starting to go to the gym, how about attend a yoga aerobics or use my bicycle every Tuesday and Thursday? That puts some objectivity to things. The third thing the Scranton study talked about is a lack of accountability. Lack of accountability. And this kind of makes sense, right? So uh, this whole idea they talked about, if you keep your goal, your aspirations, your dreams private, <laughs> a personal goal, without anyone uh, holding you account accountable, if it's private, not public, it's more likely to fail than not. More likely to fail. So resolutions, if they're made public with an accountability partner, your significant other, uh, your small group, your church. Okay, we heard Donovan's. This is a public forum now, all right? So <laughs> to get more sleep, live, live more healthy. Is that what you said, Kathy? All right. So... Um, Accountability is very important. Tell a friend or family member or accountability group. The last one is lack of belief. This one's a little complicated, but I kind of summed it up with, um, you gotta have faith in what you're doing. Faith in what you're doing. Um, people that have, uh, let's see. Let's say you had a goal of reading through the Bible in a year, even though I failed at it many times over the last several decades. <laughs> okay, put things that way. Do I have much faith in me accomplishing that goal if I've never accomplished it before or if I failed in the past? Faith. Um, other goals, um, let's say it's not uh, uh, diet, exercise, and things like that. Let's say it's something else like... Um, um, a, a getting over uh, something hard and heavy, maybe a trial you're going through, okay? Getting through uh, uh, depression, a loss, a significant other. We need, sometimes we don't have the faith that we can get through it, but we need, sometimes we need the hope and belief from other people that believe in us, that encourage us, to move forward, that we're going to get through this, right? That is uh, faith of the community. Or maybe it's like uh, um, these younger kids that are looking at maybe college or a degree program and the huge mountainous hurdle of paying for college, getting through college, all these other things. But having the encouragement of those around you is, I think, what encourages us from semester to semester. So what is your New Year's resolution and personal goals? Let's look to scripture for some encouragement, shall we? Um, today's message is a little bit different than the Bible studies that we have been going through, through uh, Genesis, uh, passage by passage, and getting the nuggets out of there. Today's more topical, and so uh, I look to scripture for examples of where we could look 
uh, two, to accomplish our goals for support and accountability. Support and accountability. And the Bible is, is uh, uh, has tons of examples of one another passages, right? Being together for their one another. So Proverbs 27, 17 speaks of, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens the other. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens the other. You know, iron, you know, we're, we're way past the iron age, you know, in history, right? Uh, we're more of the plastic age, I think, uh, things like that. But um, um, I just ordered a, uh, a carbon steel wok for myself. That was my uh, Christmas present uh, from Kimmy to me. This is what I wanted for, for Christmas. Um, but steel, right? Steel's a different version of iron, I believe. Um, but as to make those things, how do they make these things? You know, authentic walks are actually pounded. <laughs> you see the little divots in the little uh, golf ball holes in the walks, and it's made by other iron. Iron's, iron sharpens iron. How do you sharpen your knives? Right? With that, I think it's called a steel. Is it called a steel? Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. So in accountability, as we get to know each other, as we share our lives with each other, we spur one another on toward good works. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, we don't ride horses very much these days either. We're in the post, we're in the 21st century. How many of you uh, know how to ride a horse? <laughs> a couple of you guys. Awesome. I think I rode the ponies in Land Park. That's as close as I got to riding a horse. Uh, but let us, before we had cars, you know, we had uh, horsepower, right? We measure our cars in horsepower, 107, 110 horsepower. I think my first car had... 107 horsepower. The power of 107 horses. But how can we spur one another on? So think of a cowboy western, cowboy boots and the spurs, right? We spur the horse on to what? Go faster. Get to a des destination to correct its course, all right? Similar to iron sharpens iron. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, same thing is uh, we talked about earlier, uh, if you keep your goal private, the, the possibility of, uh, of uh, accomplishing that goal goes down and down. But as you meet together, as you share with another person, a small group of your goals and dreams, your struggles, your goals, your short-term goals, your resolutions, the chances of spurring each other on toward good works goes higher and higher. The Bible is so good with examples. Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If one of them falls down, the other one can help them up. 
but pity the one who falls down and has no one to help them up. Ecclesiastes says it so succinctly. And then it goes on, 4.12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Wow, this really speaks to, uh, you know, maybe our goals is to be more, maybe they're personal goals, right? Maybe they're uh, uh, our, our, our habits, our hangups, our hurts. You know, trying to wrestle Satan on, on, on our own, the, the Bible warns us that we can be overcome by, by, uh, by Satan, the temptation. But two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So good. Um, other examples, Mark 6, 7. Mark 6, 7. When Jesus uh, started calling his disciples, we started watching The Chosen last night. All our power went out, and so we were watching. I was watching The Chosen on my little iPhone <laughs> last night because it was battery-powered. <laughs> Anybody's power go out last night? Wow, yeah. Our power went out for like two and a half hours. Two and a half hours, and uh, I was so proud of myself. I, I, you've, heard of, uh, you've heard of how electric cars can, like, power your house, right? I have an electric car, and I thought, okay, I have this little plug that can be an outlet. I go, I could stick a light in there <laughs> with an extension cord and make lights in the house, and this is what, that's what I did. I, uh, I stuck that and turned on my accessory, and I lighted the house with my electric car, so that was kind of cool. Um, anyway, where, where was I? Uh, what was I talking about? Um, Mark 6, 7, um, the calling of the 12. I have no idea what that, what that, what that example related to. <laughs> oh, the chosen, right. Right, so when Jesus, thank you, when Jesus um, started beginning his ministry, he started calling his disciples, right? And then after a while, he sent them out two by two. Two by two, there's not only support but accountability in our, the, our ministry. Great examples. What about heavy lifting? What about the heavy lifting things of life? Not only eating better, um, clearing our clutter in our house, uh, getting more sleep, leaving the house earlier <laughs> so I can plan for... Uh, uh, extraneous circumstances of getting here on time. What about the heavy lifting in life? I just I mentioned earlier, maybe it's a significant loss. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's, you know, a hurt, a habit, a hang-up. Great examples of Jesus himself. Um, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he brought all his 12 disciples with him. And he said, sit here and pray with me. Sit here. Keep watch. And then it says, going on a little further, going on a little further, he brought along Peter, James, and John. Interesting, huh? He didn't share his deepest, darkest 
struggles with everybody. They were kind of there with him. Some were newer and older disciples than others, different ranges of maturity. But he brought, he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Uh, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago when I talked about confidentiality, right? Building community, small groups, is trying to create a safe place, encouraging each other as you talk to people. Hey, this, by the way, this is just between you and me, okay? Um, you're asking for that safety. You're asking for confidentiality. And as we do that, we're able to share our hurts, habits, and hang-ups with each other. And then there's hope. There's hope for healing. There's hope for personal vision of getting through a difficult time. So as I share some of my personal uh, uh, goals and vision, I, wanna, I want you to think about your own as well, okay? Um, think about uh, your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, the things you want to aspire to, maybe it's school, ambitions, um, maybe it's personal resolutions, maybe they're short-term goals, maybe they're long-term goals. For me, I've tried, I had fun with this message because I've tried to apply these things throughout my whole life since I was a young person, um, not so much in high school. <laughs> I didn't accomplish much in high school, personally. You know, there was the, there was the uh, two tracks you could take. There was the vocational track, and there was a college prep track. That's what they called it. You know, I said, okay. I came from one of those families that, uh, you know, I didn't have, you know, three generations of college-educated people in my family. My parents weren't much college-educated. I think my dad got a couple years or a year and a half of city college, and... And you start having a family and kids and all that stuff. Uh, and that was it. Of course, you didn't need as much college back then. But um, I, I recall very, really struggling with uh, my aspirations, my personal, if I was smart enough, good enough, you know, to attain um, certain, certain goals and aspirations. But... Um, through the support, support and accountability, through the support of friends and family, I was able to chip away at college. Oh my gosh, it's some of the darkest times of my life, my trials of my life. It took me six and a half years to get into professional school. <laughs> six and a half years to get even get into my profession as a therapist. And so, uh, you know... Four years is a long time for a young person, right? Six and a half years of going to college. And I, I, that wasn't even getting into therapy school, <laughs> you know? It's a long time. Um, so support of family and friends was very important at that time. Uh, the support of uh, uh, friends that truly stick closer than a brother. Um, I made friends in the church, um, college group, uh, some of the friends that I've made in church are truly closer than my own 
blood brothers. They have, some of them have kind of moved on to different areas of life and we don't really keep in touch, but some of them are truly uh, friends for life. Um, what helped me with accountability was it kind of was associated with a, some type of curriculum. There's a lot of accountability in a course of study, right? Uh, it's one thing to, uh, I feel like I want to read through this, I don't know, I don't know what, whatever it is. What's, what's that trilogy thing? You know, the Lord of the Rings. You have a goal of reading through some, you know, epic literature thing, you know. There's one thing if you have to do it for a class <laughs> and write a report on it, right, versus doing it for leisure. <laughs> uh, the same thing with the Bible. I found personally I've accomplished most of my my goals, my dreams, um, personally, privately, and professionally, it was kind of associated with a course of study. There's something about a class that layers the accountability with time, uh, assignments, due dates, and things like that. Um, it's amazing how much you can accomplish when you're in a course of study. So for those of you that are on the cusp of college and things like that, um, you'll be amazed uh, how much you can accomplish uh, taking whatever, 16, 18 units, and some kids work at the same time. You're able to accomplish so much. For the rest of us, um, there's things called lifelong learning classes that you could take through universities. And sign up for a class, and it gives you that kind of structure and accountability. Um, when I first got, when I first graduated through therapy school, um, I had a goal of opening a private practice. You know, I wanted to become an entrepreneur. And I researched it and went so far as to sign a lease and I was ready to do it. And then God got hold of my heart and asked me the question, where do I want to be in the next five years? You know? We're talking about New Year's resolutions, what's going to happen in 2023, one year from now. God asked me the question, where do I want to be in the next five years? That kind of ruminated through my head. And I kind of tossed that around. Well, if I went into business for myself, maybe I'll be successful, maybe I won't. I know I'll spend a lot of time doing business stuff, all right? Or do I want to be better prepared to serve God five years from now, and that's really where my heart was. You know, the way God made me, I, I, I love business, I love organizing things, you know, for some reason I was drawn to that, but what I really wanted, God put a personal vision that I want, needed to be better prepared to serve God five years from now, and so I scrapped the private practice plan, and uh, uh, God's, in God's providence, that's when managed care was just starting. <laughs> and so it just put a, you know, macro forces on uh, the independent practice. It was a wiser decision just to be an employee as a therapist. So uh, praise God for that. And then I enrolled in seminary. And so, again, one class at a time, one weekend at a time. Um, taking courses. And over the next 10 years, I completed that degree. <laughs> over the next 10 years, I completed that degree. 
And as God would have it, God called me to become a minister full-time at a large church of 1,500 people. I was an associate minister in charge of the counseling center, support groups, and various other things. Did that for six or so years. But how did I get that opportunity to be used by God is to prepare for it, right? That was a 10-year journey, (laughs) 10 years of preparation to be used by God in that way. And ever since, um, you know, during the pandemic, um, after I left that uh, uh, serving at that church, I worked for UC Davis during the Great Recession. I got laid off and then taken up at UC Davis and then picked up by a uh, specialty unit in hemophilia, serving those, treating those with bleeding disorders. And they had this interesting thing of using ultrasound, kind of baby ultrasound, to look inside the joints to see if patients were bleeding. And it's a very unique application of ultrasound where uh, I was able to become certified in diagnostic ultrasound And now I'm one of 14 people in the state of California that has that certification. So again, putting those goals before us, um, for me, it it happened to coincide with a course of study. During the pandemic, I got really bored. um, And so I went back for my uh, third, my extra year of physical therapy training and got my doctorate in physical therapy. So I was productive, I was happy about that, and putting that effort in, and it really kind of, I kind of look back, and once you have one um, method of success, it kind of builds on each other, right? Like I said, if your goal is to read through the Bible, you know, in a year, and you've never done it in your life, you know, probably if you have the exact same method and goal, (laughs) it's probably not going to happen again. But if you find some support, accountability, and make, it, make things tangible and realistic, the likelihood of accomplishing that goal is definitely a lot higher. So wrapping this up, um, it brings me back to uh, where, where I am today. After I completed that certification, and the certification, I've been a therapist for 30, it'll be 32 years this year. And uh, there's many different types of therapists, ones that work in the hospital, nursing homes, and ones that are called orthopedic therapists that work with muscle, bones, and joints. And if you have uh, auto accidents, uh, aches or pains or whatnot, it's a fascinating study stimulating of the complexity of the human body to try to search and find where Uh, the source of our aches and pains and dysfunctions are coming from. And so um, when I first graduated therapy school, um, I had a goal of becoming competent in the complexities of orthopedic physical therapy. And so I signed up with Kaiser for this 10-month course of study, um, a joint every weekend for 10 months that we covered every major joint in the body, including the spine. And so Ever since then, I really didn't find anything that was interesting enough to commit my time and energy as far as therapy. Because after all is said and done, after orthopedically minded, um, 
you know, mobility, working in the hospital is pretty simple. Um, home therapy, home health, you know, dragging people out of bed, you know, getting them mobilized to get their heart and circulation and muscles going. It's all, it doesn't take much brain power. Um, and so for the next 20 some odd years, I really didn't find anything interesting enough to, uh, I don't know, commit my time and energy toward until this musculoskeletal ultrasound, diagnostic ultrasound, where we could actually use baby ultrasound and now look at your elbow to see if there's tendonitis there, bursitis there, a nerve entrapment. It's a fascinating thing. It's kind of like uh, learning scuba diving of the body, you know? Before that, we would do tests and measures and put your arm up here, put your hand back here, and then do this, do that. And it gives a little clues of what the structure might be. But now we're able to basically have an MRI in our hand in the clinic in real time to look at your ache or pain. Fascinating course of study that I was able to do. And there was a physician level certification that doctors, sports medicine doctors get, uh, can get, and they open the door to physical therapists too. And so I was like, whoa, that sounds, that sounds aspirational. That sounds interesting. Uh, not only difficult and hard, but just that um, um, status or, or it's like doing an Ironman uh, <laughs> race or something like that, a Spartan race. You know, why? Because it's, you know, it's challenging um, uh, physically, um, academically, mentally. So after I was able to attain that in 2019, God finally said, laid on my heart, okay, you can put this time and effort into these type of things. I want you to do that for the kingdom now. So at this point in my career, that's what I started doing, is if I could exert this type of effort toward worldly um, career aspirations, not that, not that it's worldly and evil, but, you know, it's not so direct, you know, it's more professional profession versus directly in ministry. If I could exert that type of effort in this, God laid on my heart that he wanted me to exert that type of effort in uh, studying God's word and uh, teaching, preaching, and ministering as well. At this point in life, my kids were kind of grown and a little more empty nest. And so during the pandemic, I started a house church. Um, I was kind of getting tired of going to the little church plant that we were part of, um, a big church wasn't really happening anywhere. God wasn't calling me to a pulpit ministry, so I decided, well, let's just start a house church. And I started inviting people, and it was fun and exciting where we supported each other. Support, accountability, uh, being there for each other. Um, people weren't going out socially, but week by week, um, just being there for each other was exciting. And then finally, I offered to fill in to, I discussed with different churches and pastors if they needed help at the pulpit. And so I started filling in at the pulpit as well. 
and that which has led me to becoming uh, Parkview's, your church's, interim minister. And my goal last year was to, I had uh, much fear and trepidation of, of preparing messages uh, every week and not self-destructing. <laughs> so here it is, 2023. I'm happy to say God brought me through that, and I didn't blow up. I've only gained maybe 10 pounds extra is the biggest casualty of uh, all the stress that's involved with uh, uh, preaching and teaching. So praise God for that. Um, I've got through that. So the question is, what are your personal goals and vision? Who are you going to become? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? You know, our ancestors face challenges and hurdles, yes, but we stand on their shoulders. And in one or two generations, you have the ability to become anything you want in America, especially you young kids, all right? If you have the support of your family, if you get along, you don't even have to get along well with your parents. If you could live at home without being kicked out or moving out, I would recommend you do that. Get your education done, all right? I had friends who either got kicked out or moved out uh, when they were my age in college. And they, whatever, studied computer science. Can you imagine that? Computer science, working full-time, maintaining your own apartment and getting through college in four years and a very hard major. So difficult. If you can tolerate, <laughs> you know, at least being at home and vice versa, I'd encourage the young people to do that. By the way, your heart, when you're in school, if you pick a difficult major like engineering, computer science, or whatever, you're not hardly at home anyway. <laughs> you're in the library studying. Um, so we live in the most amazing country in the world for freedom, for men, for women. I mean, gosh, what is it uh, just on the other side of the world? Women in what? Afghanistan are kicked out of the education system now by the Taliban. Right now in 2023, America... America is certainly not a perfect country, but it is in great opportunity for freedom to become and do anything you dream and aspire to. So God encourages us. There's parables about the, the ten talents that God, the master, gave to three people. And, you know, what are we going to do with those things? What are we going to do with our talents? When it says talents in the Bible, it doesn't really mean our talent talents, but talent was a sum of money. So it was an analogy of, of uh, how are you going to create more of uh, wealth? How are you going to multiply the gifts that the master gave us? So what will be your personal vision? Some of us, some of you need to recover from a significant loss. 
I understand many of this church have had significant losses due to age, uh, some having physical disabilities, losses of physical capacity. Some need to recover and heal, grieve those losses. Some need to need respite from caregiving for parents. Some of us are stuck in our rut emotionally, physically, socially. Some have never cracked open their Bible. Right? Many of us have attended church for decades and haven't truly, really read through the Bible. Some, on the other hand, on the flip side, have done BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, like four or five times and really haven't done anything in the church. They just gain a lot of knowledge, okay? Some of us need to be sent out by two by two, doing something for the kingdom of God. So the challenge is this new year, New Year's Day, what will you do with the rest of your life that God has given you? Praise God. God got us through the pandemic. God saved us here for a reason. What will we do? What will we do with the, quote, talents? In the parable of the talents, one of the, one of the servants uh, uh, invested that sum of money and came back to the master, and the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. The second uh, servant invested that money and came back with a different sum of money, maybe not as much as the first one. And again, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. And the third one, what did the third one do? Dug a hole and buried the talent that the master or God or us has given him. And he buried it in the ground, did nothing, nothing with the resources that the master gave him. Then the master came back. He said, here, here's your sum of money back. I didn't lose any. And you kind of think, well, what's so bad about that? And especially in 2022 with the age of economic, uh, the stock markets going down. Um, being in cash isn't such a bad idea not to lose any money. But the master's response is, is, uh, is uh, pretty amazing. Well, the, the servant's response was, I buried it because I was afraid of you, that uh, you're, a, you're a hard man, a hard uh, master. And uh, the master's response was pretty amazing. He said, take the money away from him. Cast him out. What you have will be taken from you. Basically, he's saying, boy, you were useless. Um, it's almost like uh, Jesus cur cursing the fig tree. You know, take it away, cast it in the fire, burn it up. It's useless. Wow, those are, those are strong words, right? <laughs> what will we do with our resources? I'd encourage you to pray for the heart of God. Pray for the heart of God, and God will reveal these things to you. Some need to be involved to right the wrongs such as a lawyer to defend the weak. Some need to tell stories via writing and media. Some need to be mentors for the next generation. 
In this season of life, I feel personally compelled to preach the kingdom of God, to reason through the Bible, to compel others, my friends and neighbors and relatives, to humble themselves before a holy God, to turn and start to follow God in their life and gain salvation, not only in the next life, but in this life, to help usher in God's kingdom from a weekly message and regular connection in church. That's what I feel called to do at this stage of my life. This is my theme verse. Pray for God's heart and then make it your own personal vision. I love this statement. I love this verse out of Psalm 1. This is one of my personal vision statements. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person will be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers.